0: You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And you may be seated. Last week, we spent time in Psalm 121, and we were really drawing, uh, really, just, I, I think, something from the depths uh, of the riches uh, of the assurance of peace that God provides as we take time to focus on His character, on His attributes. We, we looked at His. Uh, almighty, his ever-present, and his unchanging nature, and really, that is just such a foundation uh, for building uh, a a firm trust and and a peace. I want us to continue this week to build uh, on that foundation, all right, and so as we we look at Psalm 23, I I want us to kind of keep that same question in mind, who is God and, and how might uh, that really transform us, right? Uh, but I want us to move even beyond uh, the idea of peace. Don't get me wrong. I believe God intends fully for us as we draw near to him to know the peace and the assurance that comes from, from following him. Absolutely. It's just that this morning, uh, I want us, I, I, really, I really want to encourage us to move not only into that peace, but, but to a, a, a place that is uh, marked by a more readily-yielded trust, one that would propel us, really, I think, uh, to, to give of ourselves more wholly and fully to Him right and and really i think that's what we're going to see in the midst of this psalm is is just the the more that we draw near to who god is and reveals himself to be the more we recognize that we can depend and trust on him fully right And, and really surrender ourselves more fully to him none of us have arrived at that so if you know psalm 23 very well. You got it memorized. I'm I'm glad for you. (laughs) We haven't arrived at at, at yielding and depending upon him though, uh, right? And so I I trust that this morning uh, we can draw some encouragement and strength from this very thing, right? It's my hope uh, that whether this is a new psalm to you or whether this is something you're very familiar with, it's my hope that we'll leave encouraged and strengthened in who God is, and really have a confidence not only to, to take him at his word, but, but yield ourselves more fully to him. So um, as we do this, we're going to really uh, really be focusing on, on two metaphors of who God is. And, and David, uh, in his experience both as a shepherd and as a king, is going to have some vivid insights into these very things, right? The, the metaphors that we'll be looking at are simply that of shepherd and that of host. And as we're gonna see, we'll we'll spend some time really unpacking the significance of these, right? That's what I want us uh, to do at the the onset. And really we'll conclude uh, with some just recognition of how Jesus just blows this up, right? Jesus is going to be the ultimate fulfillment of this psalm. And so we've spent a little bit of time putting Jesus uh, in the spotlight and just recognizing how wondrous it is that he so uh, marvelously fulfills these things. And so uh, that's my hope here this morning. And in our time, uh, we're gonna jump right into this first metaphor. This, this one is going to be the one we'll spend the most time in, okay? So if you're kind of gauging uh, yourself, on this sermon here, I don't anticipate points two and three uh, going equally long. But let's spend a little bit of time uh, here thinking uh, about this idea of God as shepherd here. And so, uh, as as we talk uh, about uh, this very thing, right, we've got we've got David. Having been a skilled shepherd, he was, he was a faithful shepherd of his father's flock. You might remember some of the stories about David. Uh, he was sometimes spurned by his older brothers for being the guy out in the field, but he was a faithful shepherd, right? He knows something about this idea of God guiding and providing, protecting and even comforting his people because these are the very things that he excelled in as he was a shepherd of his father's flock, right? And this is, this is rather beautiful imagery when you think of God guiding, providing, protecting, and comforting. I love those thoughts. So this, this metaphor is very powerful. And yet at the same time, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that it's a little bit unexpected, even though it works, right? Why do I say this? Well, let's back up here. When we start out, This it's easy to just pass over the first two words, the Lord. The Lord, this, this is the name given in Scripture, the same one that God gave to Moses when Moses asked at the burning bush, who should I say is sending me? God said, the Lord, or if you translate it directly, Yahweh, and you say, well, what does that mean? It literally means I am. We're talking about the self-existent creator of the universe is shepherd. Now, if you need a little help (laughs) connecting the dots there, let's just ask yourself a practical question. How common do you find it to be that a... Say, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company troubles himself, you know, with janitorial work? Troubles herself with those menial tasks? You might find some, but let's be honest, that's not commonplace, right? Or you need another snapshot here. How about something, say, a world-renowned scholar devoting most of her time to teaching the youngest of children? Hmm doesn't really add up. We tend to delegate those tasks to people of lesser skill. I'm just saying, stop and think with me at the onset of this, even as we're calling God the shepherd. God is stooping to trouble himself in the affairs uh, of our everyday life at the most intimate and probably Uh, societally unimpressive of measures. You see what I'm saying? Let's just be honest here, and I'm not trying to step on any toes, but we even sometimes uh, look down on, say, a mom who stays home with her children, right? She should be out in the career world doing something important, right? And and I'm not starting a debate here, but but I'm just saying we have a tendency to be dismissive of things that seem menial. God Almighty, the self-existent creator of all, has a intimate interest in troubling himself with you and me. I just think that that is profound, okay? So I don't want us to pass that up, right? The Lord is David's shepherd. Most surprising. Well, as we think about some more elements of this, uh, I want us to remember, obviously, David himself has been both shepherd and king, but here in this opening line he's also identifying himself as in need of being the follower and here again we tend to disdain followers just oh, such a follower i remember somebody in high school called me that once so i did not like that okay such a follower what an insult that was uh, but but we can kind of we can kind of Fancy ourselves as being powerful or having kind of risen to a status that is not involved putting ourselves under somebody. But David, as powerful as he is, is willingly yielding himself as a follower. I think that's pretty profound, especially when you think about world history. How many powerful leaders readily bend their knee? to put themselves under another authority. We say all the time things like power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts, right? Or corrupts absolutely. David wasn't perfect at this. If you know his life, he he, he didn't always yield. But more often than not he did, and this was what made him a man after God's own heart. So, I just want us to think about the posturing here as we enter into this. Both that God would, would take an interest in us, and that we've got an example, a powerful example of a man of status saying, I gladly defer to you, Almighty God. Let's just ask the question this morning, just a little check in the spiritual mirror, so to speak. How are you doing? I find that this is a ongoing question I need to ask myself. Am I yielding to God? Wouldn't it be great if this was just a one-time affair, right? I was like, if I took back care of that back in, you know, 98, okay, I'm done. Check it off the list, right? No, this is an ongoing need. We have to ask ourselves, hey, how's it going? Am I yielding myself to the shepherd, Sheep tend to get out of line. Well, anyway, uh, I, I digress just a bit here. But let's, let's ask this. As we think about David kind of being that reminder that we need to yield, I want to, I again, uh, just ask us, challenge us uh, to think uh, about where we're at in that. But uh, the context is what I want to move to next. That context, some scholars suggest that David is writing this song, uh, in the midst of his fleeing from his son, Absalom. Uh, you might know, uh, if, if you're kind of familiar with the larger story, that Absalom had stolen the hearts of the nation. And now he was attempting to steal his father's very kingdom from him and uh, again uh, w- w- what a what a crazy series of events and and yet even as the king has now fled the palace king david no longer uh, at home and with the comforts and in, in command on the throne he he is recognizing that his shepherd is leading and what's his demeanor what's his attitude I shall not want you get to that point clearly clearly what we're looking at here is the recognition not that at every moment following god is going to make me happy in every way possible and that I'll never have a moment where I don't have any kind of desire unmet that's not what we're talking about we're saying in the big picture i know my shepherd my lead my guide My protector, my provider, my comforter has got this. And that in the big picture of things, he's not going to fail to provide what's needed here. And I think that's really important here to to recognize I shall not want. the, The problem, I think, more often than not, isn't God's failing to provide, it's our wayward hearts can want things other than him. There's a little contrast there. But notice verse two, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Here's a picture, a powerful picture of God really being one that brings us to what is needed. And he may bring us through some, some arid places, so to speak. The, the shepherd's scenery uh, in Israel is, is one, uh, oftentimes a very desert, wilderness kind of uh, sur- surroundings. And uh, don't think Sahara Desert, but do think very arid, very dry. It may be a little bit of a journey, but this shepherd will faithfully lead on. And in this leading, right? even besides still waters. He restores my soul. This isn't to be overly spiritualized, maybe at the front end with David's discussion. He's talking about a refreshing or a reviving uh, of our being. I think we can get to a spiritual element here down the line. But nevertheless, he leads me in paths of righteousness. This is very clearly talking about he leads me Independable and sure paths. His ways will bring about what is needed. His paths will bring the green pastures and, and all that I need. And in this, right, let's just be clear. I think even for those who are longtime Christians, sometimes life kind of shakes us up and we began so quickly to wonder and to doubt. Where are you in the midst of this, God? This isn't how I would have scripted it. Are you good? <laughs> Do you know what you're doing? Oh, I know, I know, listen, it's Sunday morning. We're not supposed to say things like that, but, but de facto our hearts on a roller coaster can struggle with those kind of doubts, right? And listen, you know as well as I do, uh, we've heard enough conversations where people with heavy souls will, will register their complaints or their distrust and doubts about God rather openly. So let's not pretend ourselves that we don't struggle with these temptations, right? As we talk about this very thing, we're, we're clear in this psalm that there's a sense of God, the shepherd, having a wisdom that the sheep could never possess on their own, right? Uh, How often do you think David turned to his sheep for counsel? Uh, Which way do you think we should go here, guys? No, Uh, okay, yes, I'm being ridiculous. But again, I don't know about you, I'll I'll just put myself out there, right? I, I would say it is a temptation, For me sometimes to think why didn't God work it this way or that way right it's almost as if I fancy that I could have instructed him better we need to take David's cue here and recognize the shepherd knows David's got a unique vantage point here right I mean he's calling himself one of the sheep but knowing the mind of a shepherd intimately It gives him a leg up in describing how an all-knowing God might have a better vantage point than the limited perspective of the sheep. And I think it's a great comparison for us. Sometimes when I'm tempted to instruct God, it's like, I should just remind myself, Heidi, you're a sheep, okay? Let the shepherd lead, right? Where, church, where do you need to tell yourself that this morning? God has this. Let me rest in the goodness of his lead. He leads me in straight paths for his name's sake. Let me kind of get to what I think is maybe uh, where the rubber meets the road in in all of this, right? Uh, As we're talking about the idea of straight and sure paths and trusting God, that's all good and well enough but what about when things get really tough? I'm talking when the bottom seems to be falling out. David invites us to contemplate that here in his song, right? We talk about even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The comfort here, sheep are easily made afraid right the comfort that they will take is their shepherd's voice their shepherd's presence the shepherd will lovingly at times pull them in that that rod and that staff that rod is used as a a weapon to deter uh, predators and the staff used to draw the sheep back in. Maybe they're, they're getting off path, they're running away, maybe it's in fear, maybe it's in boredom, but they're, they're leaving the protective presence, right? God in his love is willing and able to pull us back in. And he is more than able to take care of the predators uh, of our, our souls, so to speak. And in the midst of this, though, let's get back to it. What about those dark moments? I, I think it's very clear here. Uh, we, we've got David it just brings us to the ultimate. He, even the idea of, of facing death itself, right? He's saying, hey, I'm going I'm to take heart knowing the ever-present nearness of my shepherd. And in the midst of all of this, right, I, I would just I would want us uh, to recognize that in all of this, that the tense has even shifted here. So this is going to be important. We we'll, we'll kind of unpack the, the shadow here in a minute. But uh, the idea, we've we've referred to the Lord in the third person at the start of this, right? The Lord and he, but now uh, in verse four, right? Uh, I will fear no evil for you. Are with me. David is appealing to this intimate presence of God. Now in the second person, it's not, it's not talking about God in the third person, some remote concept of God, but you, my God, are, are, are with me. You are with me in the midst of this. And David's confidence, again, says that even in our darkest moments, God is with us. I think that the challenge for us this morning, church, is is to hold on to that idea. I think we're so quick sometimes to pull the plug on parts of our faith and say, God, where are you? I don't see you. Have you abandoned me? Do you care? Can I trust you? Even in the darkest moments, David's saying yes, profoundly yes. Fight to see that he's present. I I love what scholar Derek Kidner had to say here about this metaphor he says setting aside this metaphor only the Lord can lead a man through death all other um, I'm sorry uh, through death all other guides turn back and the traveler must go on alone again the, the point I'm making here is God's not leaving Uh, He's going to actually travel through that valley with us. And, And he'll do it for death, and he'll do it for everything lesser than that as well. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. Do you know that's one of the profound differences between the Christian faith and every other worldview? Every other religion and philosophy for living involves us mustering up strength either individually or collectively as a human group, and trying to find our way out of our own problems. But here David is putting the spotlight on a God that never leaves, and even in the darkest moments has committed himself to walking through the depths of that valley and out the other side with us. Folks, I I believe God would want us to take heart and courage in that very idea this morning. He is profoundly present, regardless of our circumstance. I know that there are some here this morning, some that are are battling for life. Others, others have just experienced a heartbreaking loss of life, And, and in both cases, my heart is heavy with our fellow congregation here we're a community, and, and, and these weights are, are real, right? Uh, what I don't want to stand up here and do is give platitudes, right? Some kind of, I don't know, little little trite saying that is supposed to be a quick band on things. No, I'm not talking about that kind of thing here this morning when I say God is profoundly present, right? Uh, but I, I want us to recognize that if we take this idea we can, we can literally, uh, you know, put our full trust in Him in the midst of our valleys. A few years ago, a few years ago, my family uh, and I, uh, we walked through a real dark valley together. It wasn't the kind of valley that I describe as the shadow of death, but it was pretty dark. The trial, the moment that I'm describing i would say it was something for probably the better part of a week my heart had been so gripped and you know how how your heart can be gripped uh, at times where you feel it even in your gut right it had been so racked right That, that for several days i couldn't think of really anything but the crisis at hand hard and then what i wasn't really prepared for even though some of the intensity of that lightened some, it probably several months, several months worth of just kind of feeling the weight of that and there'd be maybe just moments, moments of a little bit of freedom from from thinking about things, but boom, just like that, something would bring me back and my mind would be racked with the weight of it again. So debilitating, right? I can, I can tell you honestly that while I didn't doubt God, I didn't think he had abandoned me, I think I honestly asked myself and, and really doubted, would I ever be able to have a moment of lighthearted joy again? That was just heavy. So heavy that real deep dive into God's word, not even, I couldn't do it. I mean, I'm trying to feed myself God's word, but, but a, a real focus just wasn't happening. Uh, so heavy that, you know, prayers, even though they're going up, right, I feel like I'm kind of going through the motions. It's a, it's a dark valley. But I'll tell you one thing, uh, there's something rather profound. God met me in the midst of that dark valley. He never left me. <laughs> but the, the profound way that he kept me able to hold on uh, was really through song. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sing it for you. Believe me, you don't want me to do that. But I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, a Mercy Me song here um, that, that uh, really spoke to me here. And uh, let's see, where are we at here? Uh, here we go. This Mercy Me song is one of the songs that God gave me to hold on to in the midst of this. And you don't want us to lose track of Psalm 23 here, but just as Psalm 23 is itself a song, how wonderful it would be to put that to a melody and let it uh, minister to our souls. Uh, This song from Mercy Me ministered to my soul when it was hard for me to focus on anything else. Right? You see the words here. I know you're able. I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you just say the word. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. You've been faithful. You've been good. All of my days, Jesus, I will cling to you. The song goes on, but listen... These words, I sang them over and over for months. They were a balm to my soul and so were other songs like it. They were especially helpful in keeping my eyes focused on even in the dark valleys. God was right there with me. He hadn't left. We've gotta be assured of the truth that David is singing about in Psalm 23. This shepherd goes with us even in the dark valleys, and he will be our faithful guide even in the moment that we face death and the grief of the death of the loved ones that we uh, so dearly hold near. God will not leave us or forsake us. So important that we really meditate on that very thing. Well. I want us, church, uh, I want us to take heart in in that. I also want us to move to this second metaphor of who God is. And as I promised, we will go much faster on this second metaphor. But this second metaphor is the idea of God as a host. And I, at first, was a little bit unsure if I wanted to use the word host because I want you to get confused with, you know, the position of at a restaurant where we say that minimum wage job or something. We're talking about a powerful host, right? A powerful host, a, a person who is hosting a, a, a banquet and one that has great means, wealth, and we'll commit that wealth and and those means to both the enjoyment of all the guests, the hospitality is lavish, and the protection as well. And David would have known something about this role as well, having been a powerful king who would have had many, in his house and banqueting with him at his table. And so we just kind of recognize uh, this here as we, we, we kind of take up the imagery. The cup overflows. David envisions a situation where God's goodness to him is as a host who just keeps filling that cup up. In fact, it's, it's lavishly, to the point of ridiculousness, that cup is overflowing Uh, there is so much abundance right and in the midst of this the anointing of the head with oil which would have been a tradition uh, you know in in the Middle Eastern culture right and and it's just no expense spared a lavishing uh, a goodness of experience and in the midst of this even the enemy is at the table David's on the run from Absalom. I don't know if he has Absalom in mind, but he envisions a situation where this host is not only providing for everything that is needed, but is able, fully able, to protect every one of his guests, right? And so this, this imagery is yet again to provide us just some snapshot into to what God is like. And even in the midst of our what might be our greatest fears, uh, our powerful, almighty host is more than capable uh, uh, of taking care of every need and keeping our enemy uh, at bay. And so in this, uh, we will just kind of wrap up with, with uh, this point on, on the idea that this was definitely something that would have been fanned into flame by David's thinking of God's promise to him. God had promised that he would build a house for David, an everlasting house, one where a king would always reign from David's line uh, on, on this throne. And so David, David, I think, is taking heart on this. We want to connect maybe that last imagery of, of the shepherd leading through the valley of the shadow of death. Could it be David in, in kind of renewing and reviewing the promises of God To him is saying, even if I should die in the midst of all of this, I've got a faith that says that God's promises to build his house and to invite me in to living with him is is going to remain intact. Come what may, I will experience the presence of God. I just I want to say that's really profound when you stop and think about this very idea, God building a house and inviting us in. Uh, again, Derek Kidner is going to make sure that we recognize that this idea isn't just an invitation to come eat at a table. It's an invitation to come and to live and to dwell with God. Uh, so, so, so rich. Well, here are our two pictures. God as shepherd, God as protector. And now I want us to talk just briefly about Jesus uh, fulfilling this whole thing, right? And and so I'm going to breeze rather quickly through this psalm, but I I just want us to take delight uh, in just recognizing how Jesus fills or fulfills this very thing. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Well, Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus is is the one who led multitudes to a grassy plain where he would feed thousands miraculously satisfying their hunger. Jesus is the one who would still the raging sea and Jesus is the one who would promise his followers living water and even a well of water springing up to eternal life. Jesus is the one who promises to wipe every tear from our eyes he does peter says restore the soul well we can go on here he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake it's clear that jesus is the lord of righteousness and he faithfully leads his followers to the father his gospel even provides righteousness for his followers through faith. So, so, so rich. Talked about the valley of the shadow of death. I think it's profound that Jesus is both Emmanuel, God with us, and if you look at some of the passages in the Gospels, uh, we would recognize that literally, God with us is seen as the light of hope that dawned upon a people living in the darkness. Some of the Gospels even mention that darkness as the shadow of death, profound. The rod and the staff, well, Jesus, is one who disarmed hostile spiritual forces and he will easily defeat those who oppose him at his second company coming jesus is the one who will prepare or have the the the, the table prepared as it were the banquet of the bride uh really the the marriage supper of the lamb and in his presence there is Uh, going to be, uh, you know, perhaps uh, an accuser of our souls. Uh, Romans 8 makes it very clear that Jesus will silence that voice of the accuser, right? And so just putting a little comparison there. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Jesus qualifies us to receive uh, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And so we we kind of recognize uh, there's an overflowing of God's lavish blessing And finally here as we think about his goodness and mercy, Jesus is gonna be the one who enables us to enter in and remain in God's holy presence. And his enthronement means that God will dwell with us forever. Do you see the richness of this? We've got a shepherd host. And Jesus fulfills all of this in such profound, profound ways. My, my question for you uh, as, as we kind of wrap up, really, is the idea or the question uh, is, is, do you hear his voice? Jesus says very clearly, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You hear are you following? None, none, of us, none of us can say a perfect yes to that. For some, hey, maybe you've never oriented uh, your, your ears to hear and, and your, your will to say, hey, not mine, but yours be done. As we sang earlier uh, with the Lord's Prayer, I want to just encourage you, make Jesus your Lord and Savior. But for many of us, hey, you'd say, I, I am trusting in Jesus. My hope, again, is that the things we've looked at in the picture of God as both shepherd and host will encourage you to dig deeper and really to, to press in uh, to following him with a, with a confidence and a greater desire to yield yourself to him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks this morning. We thank you for these Wonderful pictures of who you are. We thank you, Lord, that though you could choose to portray yourself as, uh, as just completely almighty all the time and, and no other uh, kind of a, a snapshot, no, Lord, uh, you don't leave it at that. You are almighty. But Lord, you make it so clear that you are intimately involved in the day to day details that you are present with us even in our most difficult moments and that you are committed to guiding, to providing, to protecting and to comforting us and assuring us, Lord, with the fullness of your resources. We thank you that you make that very evident having taken care of the biggest need we've had. The weight of our sins against you Lord, having swallowed up in sin and death, Lord, I pray that you would just give us confidence that you are indeed the one that can lead us through the darkest valley. And give us, Lord, hearts, hearts that are willing to take you at your word. Help us to step out in a greater trust. Help us, Lord, with a humility to more fully yield ourselves to you. Give us delight in the goodness of who you are that we might glorify your name. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.